1: Hello and welcome to the Grand Old History Podcast on both Celtic Fanzine TV and an audio on the Celtic Soul Podcast. So please hit that subscribe and follow button so you never miss an episode. In this episode, I'll be joined again by Celtic historian and author of many, many Celtic books, David Potter, to chat about the life of the Celtic legend Bertie Ald, who sadly passed away recently and was given a fitting send-off by the Celtic family at Hamden at Celtic Park and in St Mary's Chapel. Hi David. you're very welcome back onto the show to pay tribute to Bertie. Celtic legend, Lisbon Lion, Celtic fan, a great character and I think he was loved by all the fans who met him over the decades.
2: Yes indeed he was and one of the great things about Bertie was he was a very humble man. He was always willing to come to support his functions. Uh, He came several times to our group in Kirkcaldy and always made himself well-known to everybody and even went out of his way to talk to people like my wife, who has no great interest in football, but um, he came along just because I was there, obviously. Uh, And he charmed her because he was really that sort of bloke. He was a charming man and a very lovable man and um, really a great Celtic. And he loved Celtic uh, till the day that he died. So um, I've
1: I've none but praise to say for uh, for Bertie O. Now, David, um, you were lucky enough to be there. To you're of the age where the 60s and the early 70s was uh, a time of great joy for Celtic fans, and you were there to see it. You always talk fondly of the 1965 Cup Final when you say that that's when everything started. You've been yes, on the indeed. show before, talking about your university days and watching that famous night in Lisbon on TV. So, like for people of my age who weren't around when when Bertie but met met him many times as as a fan, as you say at supporters functions, and he also sat behind me for a couple of seasons at Celtic Park, and a very enjoyable experience, I have to say. And he was when he needed to be critical, he was critical. And when he needed to give praise, he gave praise. So just take us back to the career of Bertie, his time at Celtic and those early years.
2: Yes, I, I only remember him vaguely in his first few years at Celtic, but from 1956 to 1961. I think I saw him once or twice. And he played on the left wing and he was uh, good enough. And I thought there was a great future for this boy at the time. I remember everybody said that. But then, of course, uh, I think he fell a wee bit foul of Bob Kelly and the regime then, and he was transferred to Birmingham City in 1961, just actually in the aftermath of our defeat to Dunfermline in 1961, when Dunfermline, of course, were managed by Jock Steen. Uh, Bertie then disappeared off the Celtic radar for uh, five year, four years, rather, uh, during which time he appeared in inter uh, intercity Fairs Cup final and won an English League Cup medal uh, with, uh, with Birmingham City. So he was by no means a failure th- uh, down there, although Birmingham perhaps weren't uh, the best team in England at the time. And uh, then, of course, he came back in January 1965. Now, there was a connection between steam coming back and old coming back. I don't actually know what happens first. All the participants are dead by now. But my own view is that Jock would never have come back to Celtic Park. or uh, not saying he would never have come back to Celtic Park. He would have been less willing to come back to Celtic Park unless he knew that Bertie Old was also coming back to Celtic Park. Because I think Jock saw Bertie Old quite correctly as the man who could win for Celtic uh, the Scottish Cup in the middle of that fairly disastrous 1965 season. And um Bertie Ald when he came back, he played his first game against Hearts at Celtic Park on a rainy day, which I remember. And uh, I remember that day I discovered just how bad the old jungle was for, uh, um, you know... <laughs> Not protecting you. Uh, I got. I was. I was as wet in that old jungle as I would have been uh, on the terracing there that day because uh, the roof was just awful. But anyway, that day played. Uh, the Celtic lost the hearts, and then Steen officially came back uh, at the end of January, first of February. Uh, that was when the announcement was made. In fact, I think Steen had been making a few decisions. For Celtic at the time when he was officially manager of, of Hibs. And one of the decisions, the key one, I think, was that, uh, well, there was, it was the two key ones, but he basically moved Celtic from a 2 3 5 team, you know, full backs, half backs, and five forwards, the traditional Scottish and, and English formation, into a 4 2 4 team. Uh, uh, formation with Bertie Auld moving from the left wing to the left of the midfield and at the same time of course he pulled Bobby Murdoch back from the inside right position to the right half so that by the time Celtic won the European Cup they were playing a 4-4 formation with uh, Murdoch and Auld in midfield and frankly you couldn't get two better midfielders than, uh, than these two but I think the big difference that Bertie all made to Celtic was that he gave them some what I call devil. He gave them a wee bit of needle. Uh, previously, the players had been good enough, but didn't quite have the the, the match winning ability that, uh, that they they needed. And uh, Bertie all uh, produced that because of his of his confidence, because of his of his good play, the way he could rile the opposition. Uh, and the way that he could bring on uh, youngsters as well, the way that he could bring out the best in uh, other members uh, of the team. By this time, of course, Bert he was older than most of them, and uh, um, he was a great help to the uh, to people like Billy McNeil. I always thought because um, I, I think he was a man who who just inspired confidence uh, in the team. And of course, the uh, 1965 season, what was left of the 1965 season, saw really some pretty awful Celtic games in the league, but they did win the important games, the ones that they had to in the Scottish Cup. They beat uh, Kilmarnock, they beat Motherwell after a replay, and it was Bertie Auld who organised the rescue uh, of the first game in the semi-final when it looked as if uh, twice, it looked as if uh, Celtic were going to lose to Motherwell. And of course, his uh, contribution to the cup final itself that year was just absolutely immense. With his two goals, that one header that uh, hit the bar, and Charlie Gallagher hit the bar, and Bertie was waiting for it to head it home. And then the, equalized, the second equalising goal, with a brilliant 1-2 with uh, with Bobby Lennox. And uh, and Bertie always was the man uh, who won the Scottish Cup for Celtic in 1965. I know Billy McNeil gets the, um, all the... Uh, praise for the, uh, the wonderfully headed goal and I wouldn't take anything away from Billy McNeil at all but I think that the main force was probably Bertie Auld plus Bobby Murdoch in his new role as right half rather than inside right. And all this was down to uh, Steen and I'm fairly convinced in my own mind that Steen and Auld talked about these things uh, even before uh, either of them were officially back at Celtic Park in that awful midwinter of nineteen sixty
1: four to nineteen sixty five. And you mentioned Bobby Murdoch there, his his midfield partnership that jock. He saw something in these yes. two players to move them. They became a great yes. a great midfield duo. Uh so yes. successful. Where did they sit? Those two players sit in history as, you know, partnerships in the middle of the park for
2: Celtic. I would have to say up at the very, at the very top. I mean, you can't argue against that. It's difficult to compare them because team formations do change and they're actually quite fluid, the team formations. And and I must say, as a youngster, um, I, uh, who maybe didn't understand the dynamics of the football field as well as I could have because I'd never actually played the game, uh, didn't realise that Celtic were actually playing 4 to 4. I was convinced they were playing the traditional 2 3 5. Until I watched a game once with a good friend of mine who'd actually played professional football, semi professional football for East Fife. And we watched the game and he said to me, You know what Celtic are doing? They're playing a 4 4 formation. They've got Ald uh, in uh, the left midfield, uh, uh, Murdoch in the right midfield, and they actually are. Four to four, and of course he was right. And um, the, I may say the four to four formation uh, was a bit of a dirty term in Scotland in the mid nineteen sixties because it was associated with uh, European teams who played defensive football when they played Scottish teams in Europe and uh, and so on. And uh, it was a long time before the formation four to four became uh, respectable, but certainly the Celtic team that won in Lisbon was definitely playing a 4 4 formation, albeit a very, very fluid 4 4 formation because part of the thing was that the players were all very, very well trained indeed, for which we must give a lot of credit to Steen himself and uh, to Neil Mochen, who was indeed the trainer.
1: Yeah, And where do, like you say, they sit at the top of the, the, top of the pile of when it comes to you know midfield partnerships, you know moving forward over the years, have you seen anyone that you know that came close to them, or were they just that good?
2: Um, they, were, they were that good. There's quite a few who've come close to them. I mean, I always thought that Paul McStay on his game was uh, uh, was 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 very good, and um, and and the current team, um, I think Callum McGregor uh, is uh, approaching that level. I wouldn't say he's quite as good as I know it's different team formations and so on, but uh, I've always enjoyed uh, watching Callum McGregor. Possibly, uh, I feel less so about David Turnbull. I feel that David Turnbull perhaps has the the potential to become as good as either of these two, but hasn't quite reached it yet. Uh, You get a lot of disappointments with with David sometimes, but uh, Callum McGregor uh, approaches the level of uh, Murdoch and all in, in, in midfield and and I would certainly put Paul McStay uh, in the same uh, bracket as Murdoch and all. The problem with Paul McStay of course is there weren't enough great players round about him. Uh, Paul stood out like a beacon in a team of, I wouldn't say they were mediocre, I wouldn't go as far as that but they weren't as good as what the 1960s team was that Bertie Old and uh, Bobby Murdoch took charge of.
1: In, in the late 1960s Yeah and, and Bertie was uh, off the pitch as well as you said he attended so many supporters functions and back in the day it was quite common for players to be told at the end of a match this is where you're going tonight for your supporters yeah, function true. and that could yeah. be up to Aberdeen or it could uh, be a local in Glasgow or <laughs> yeah, you know, so. it could be the Field. so like yeah, but yeah. Bertie was part of that um I suppose community that you know players and fans and they that team would have trained in Barrowfield. Um, yeah. They would have eaten the cafes around Celtic Park. They they would have out they, they would have socialised in the city, so they would have been very I suppose approachable, which is not so much now with the players. And when I when I think back to um, when when Bertie when the news broke that Paperti P- P- had died I-, I got a text from a friend and he said don't say anything because it's not officially announced yet and then it, it-, it was actually it- the news had broken before it was officially announced that this yeah, great, great legend of Celtic had-, had-, had sadly passed away but what what struck me over the next couple of days was the amount of young people putting up pictures with him on uh, social media and this was like, they- like this was from babies you know right through up to 18-year-olds who would never have even heard of Bertie only for, you know, a father or somebody said, look, get a picture there. But they they had grown now; they were grown men and these lovely pictures were put up from over the years and the stories that was with the pictures. And what I took from all the stories was the love the Celtic fans and the Celtic family had for Bertie, but also the love that he had for them and the time. You know,
2: Nothing was a problem. He would pose for. He loved being Bertie Old. Yes, yes, he did. He did. He did. Yes, yes. And um, the story about him in mean, uh, the tunnel at Lisbon, starting singing the Celtic song. I mean, that that is that's true, and that's very typical of uh, uh, of Bertie Alden. And I also like the story that uh, Charlie Gallagher told me that uh, Jock Steen apparently had once, in an off the cuff remark said that he didn't think that uh, Bertie Old and Charlie Gallagher should be in the same team because they were both similar players. They were both ball winners and ball players and we needed the other types types of players. And um, uh, Bertie, of course, obviously disagreed with that, as indeed did Charlie. And about a quarter of an hour after they'd won the Dunfermline game in 1965 and they were in the, the, the dressing room, Um, and uh, normally you were frightened to go near Steen, of course but uh, uh, the two of them went up uh, Bertie all leading them and they both had their Scottish Cup winners uh, medals round their neck and Bertie said to Jock hey boss I thought you said that uh, Charlie and, and I couldn't have played in the same team together and he says well the SFA seemed to disagree because they've given both of us medals for playing football for winning a cup And apparently, uh, Jock looked at Bertie and then had to laugh. I mean, he would not have laughed if he hadn't just won the cup. If they would lost that day, he would not have laughed. But apparently he laughed at that point. And uh, Jock got to uh, realise just what sort of man Bertie was. You know, and he he, he exploited that. And he he used Bertie uh, as much as he could as, as a joker, as a... Um, an encourager, as a, as a cheerleader uh, in, in many ways. And uh, uh, to imagine uh, uh, the Lisbon Lions and the team of the late 60s without Bertie Auld is just impossible. Because Bertie Auld was really the man who, on the park, along with Bobby Murdoch and along with all the rest of them, because there, was, there were no weak links there, but uh, Bertie Auld was the man who, who really made it all happen. But for maybe social reasons, rather than just football-playing reasons, if you know what I mean, because he was the the man who kept everybody happy.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm smiling here because I'm just thinking of stuff in, in the back of my mind. i just speaking, of stories that I've heard. about like, like, he sat he sat beside me for a couple of seasons, and um, he kicked every ball, and he spoke to everyone around, him and he told them his opinion. Oh yes,
2: and, he did. And yeah, he, he would
1: he would tip you on the shoulder if you went. If if you didn't hear him the first time, he tipped you on the shoulder to, to tell, like, to, to, so you acknowledge what he said. And yeah, when yeah. we weren't doing too good, knew he was critical. And when we were doing well, he was very complimentary. But he loved yeah. he loved the um, the sixty seven minute when the lights would go on on the phones oh, and yeah. everyone would start singing. Okay. He was very proud of that. And I remember at the start when that started. And I remember one day there was a tribute. From the Green Brigade, I think they got fined for it when they put this big, huge flag covered the whole area, and then yeah, yeah. and then a, a couple of a couple of uh, lads came out with Ballyclavers on and the flares. and it was just it, it, to watch from where we were sitting was a spectacle. Yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. so excited that day, and so grateful and so thankful that him and his teammates would be remembered like that. And yes. it was it, it was a very special moment. At the time, I didn't think so much of it. But now when I think back and he's, and he's, you know, he's past that, he knew how much young people and old people who were lucky enough to see him, but young people knew his legacy and his team's legacy and what he had achieved. And, and like, it's it's just a lovely you know it's a lovely thought to have of you know for all these players um, and sadly a lot of them are no longer with us but that there's so much still thought of them yes it, you know yes. by the fans and many of those fans way too young to have ever seen bertie
2: yeah, well, well, that, of course, is uh, part of the Celtic tradition because, I mean, I do remember the, uh, the Lisbon Lions. I never... I didn't go to Lisbon. I was too young I was a student. I couldn't go to Lisbon. But I saw them in the Scottish Cup final that year of 1967 and, of course, 1965. Um, and I had, of course, been brought up on the Celts of a previous generation. I'd been told told all about Jimmy McGrory and Patsy Gallagher by my father, who, in turn, had been told by his father... Uh, all about uh, Alec McNair and Jimmy Young and Jimmy Quinn and people like that. So, so it's it's right that that should happen. It's right that the 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 Celtics should keep their history going. And I'm so glad to hear what you're saying that uh, Bertie was so proud of it because uh, because he was just simply he was just simply that sort of man.
1: Yeah, and I think you deserve kudos and applause as well because you've just named the players that your dad had kept you informed about and told you stories about. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about your grandfather passing down stories to your dad, which was then passed Mm -hmm. down onto you. But you've passed all them stories on in your many, many books to us and to generations to follow. So, David, for what you do for the Celtic fans, we thank you. All right,
2: that's that's much appreciated. I'm very glad to hear you say that, Uh, and we're very glad. But, but I'm, I mean, I'm proud to continue uh, being a Celt. I must say that's uh, it's very much part of one's life. I mean, I think it was very much part of Bertie Old's life as well, just uh, just being, uh, being a Celt, And, and I think that uh, with all due respect to um, people who support other teams, uh, I don't actually think they quite appreciate what Celtic means to so many people. I mean, I also support teams like uh, Forth for Athletic, Wraith Rovers, Newcastle, United, Middlesbrough, a lot of teams like that I've got uh, a, a, a soft spot for. Uh, but it's nothing like uh, what it means uh, being part of Celtic Football Club, even though just uh, uh, being a part means that the chap that pays his money or gives his season ticket and goes to the Thurmstiles every week. It's a great... Uh, thing to be part of. It has its pains, of course. It always has done, and always will do. But it also has its great moments of triumph um, as well. And it's it, it really, is it's a great thing to be part of.
1: It certainly is, David. Um, um, Bertie, you you mentioned that Bertie had attended your supporters' clubs' function, and he came over for one of our supporters' clubs. I'm in the club called St. Margaret's, and mm-hmm. he came over, and I think it was him and Tosh McKinley came over together. And Tosh was doing the after dinner speaking because he's probably the best out there. And Tosh does a great um, after dinner, but then Bertie got on stage and he was interviewed. by, uh-huh. by there was a local um, a journalist, um, a radio journalist, broadcaster was was the MC on the night, and Bertie um, obviously, you know, Bertie ended up interviewing him. I think because uh, yeah, he was just so yeah. Yeah. humorous and. Uh-huh. Um, but he was just lovely. And then the next day we were having lunch before he travelled back and he had us all around the table and he had the salt and the pepper and, yeah, and, yeah. and the knives and forks and this was the Lions and he was telling us where to go and he was telling us where the team was going wrong now. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, he yeah. he was the salt and Bobby Mullig was the pepper in the middle of the table and it was just, yeah. just one of them things. And I just remember Tosh McKinley couldn't keep a straight face with him. Just uh, at, at having lunch like you know he was just such a great great character um David uh, like as you say that he truly loved the club but look, oh. before we wrap up,
2: um will you give us uh, another story about Bertie? Yes, indeed. Yes, Yes, it's the story that he himself told um uh, I don't know how, um, whether your viewers or listeners will have uh, will have heard of this one, but it's the story that he told about the uh, uh, the the quiz between Celtic and Rangers supporters. Uh, they decided, you know, because they were basically friends, they got their, their week quiz together, and uh, so it was Celtic supporters versus Rangers supporters, and the quiz master was there with his dinner suit and a neutral red tie and things like this, and he, um, he said, right, here's the first question, um, who is the first uh, British team to win the European Cup? And Celtic, guys do it, Celtic, right? Who is the first uh, team in Scotland to win nine league titles in a row? So the Rangers guys were beginning to. Hey, wait a Probably some question about us. All right, okay. Here's one for you. Which, who was the Rangers support, uh, player who scored the goal in the League Cup final? Press the button. Hey, wait a minute! What League Cup final? Quizmaster says the one that you lost seven-one. <laughs> 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 That was Bertie Old that told this story several times. You know? uh, brilliant, brilliant. So that's, that's what I'll remember about Bertie Old, combining all his many other estimable qualities with humor. And very much a Glasgow person, you know, Glasgow humor in which there is no real basic malice. You know that uh, I've often said that uh, uh, contrary to, uh, to what seems sometimes that there actually is quite a good relationship goes on with, in Glasgow between Celtic and Rangers supporters. Uh, some of them, not I know that, but uh, but I think Bertie's a bit like that. I mean, I don't think Rangers supporters would really hate Bertie Old. You know, I don't think he's a man that you could very uh, readily hate, even though I mean. <laughs> We could mention several on the Rangers side. I'm quite prepared. To, I, I'll not mention any names. But Bertie old uh, even if you're a Rangers supporter, would not come into that character. He was a great self and he was a he was a great Glasgow character.
1: He certainly was. David, thank you so much for joining us again on the Grand Earl History Podcast. And for further listening on, from David, check out David's tribute to Bertie's teammate, Charlie Gallagher. And you can also hear David on previous episodes of the Celtic Soul podcast and he also appeared on our Lockdown Celtic AM podcasts, available here on Celtic Fanzine TV and across all podcast platforms on the Celtic Soul podcast. David, thank you very much and thank you very much to Bertie Old for the memories both on and off the
2: pack. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, Bertie Old. R.I.P. And uh, thank you very much, uh, Andrew. Ball. David, thank you so much.